listening to Best Served Cold, a Born Millennials podcast. The Australian true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama J and Laura Lees. Sit down, relax, grab a drink and enjoy this week's episode. All right. Hello. Welcome back, you beautiful human beings. You lovely, lovely people. I think we may be joined by a few new Newcomers. people. Yes. Uh, just going off the some of the really lovely messages that we've been getting on Instagram, but also just our... Downloads have gone up quite a bit. Yep. Uh, we had a little accidental viral incident yeah, we did. on TikTok, which was very exciting. It's been fun to see our growth on TikTok sort of come from that. And ironically, it was a video that was released, I think, weeks weeks ago. ago. Yeah. And like one day it just was like, hey, a lot of people like this shit. Yeah, I will never understand the For You page and I will never yeah. try to. But anyway, for the newcomers, welcome to Best Served Cold, the true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. My name is Laura Elise. I'm one of your wonderful co-hosts and I'm a little lad who loves berries and cream. Nice. And I am Tamatoa. I'm sparkly just like the water I'm drinking. Oh, sparkly like Edward Cullen? Yes, specifically like Edward Cullen. I look exactly like, like Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, cool. If he had... A beard. And looked nothing like Robert Pattinson. And looked nothing like Robert Pattinson, yeah. (laughs) If he looked more like me, vaguely Polynesian and not at all like Robert Pattinson, (laughs) um, yeah, then he would be me. Love that. Uh, But if you are new around here, I'll just give you like a a quick little rundown of how shit works around here. First disclaimer, if you are someone who does not like the swears, you probably won't like this show. And I'm giving you fair warning at the start because we do say the word fuck. A bit. We let some a words slip. Uh, basically, the structure of how the show works, I feel like I need to like do a whole new intro because I feel like there's so many more people watching. Oh, basically, yeah. how we work is we have a little chat at the start, normally less than five minutes. So if yep. you're not here for the chat, skip ahead to the five-minute mark. And then at the end, we'll say goodbye and then we'll shit talk a little bit at the end. And you can yeah. either listen or peace out for that as well. Yeah, we keep most of our sort of our fluff and our little shit talk at the end. But we're going to have a little, you're going to ease the people in for a new episode. But yeah, we're just uh, chilling here in Sydney, Australia, still locked down, yep. but we do have a date. Yes. We've been given a date for when we can leave the goddamn house. And I'm very mm-hmm. excited. October 18th, I'm going to get so drunk. Oh, Not yeah. that I haven't been doing that in lockdown, but like. Everyone's just booking like their first thing to do outside. I went to book. A pub, like just at a pub this afternoon mm. and all of their, on the 29th of October, all of their tables prior to eight o'clock were gone. So it is going to look like pubs will open up. Yeah. They've right. been told they can. Great. Okay. It's just, you have to, to go, you have to be vaccinated and they have to do like the certain square meter Gotcha. Thing. Yeah. Um, so, because it. It would seem that you being fully vaccinated, you will are at less risk of dying, probably zero to very minimal potential risk of dying. Um, the virus will continue to spread, but it's a matter of reducing how many people can potentially die from yeah, said virus. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend like I understand how it works. It's very <laughs> fascinating. Um how and, and how vaccines work and yeah. that you need two doses and which is why i'm just trusting the doctors when they like take this and i'm like okay Look, because dude, i am not smart enough to 
My case today... I also really don't care. My case today will show you how little we understand mm-hmm. and how much more scientists and people who actually study things that we don't really know know more Ooh, than us. That sounds like a good one. I think it's my turn to go first. It is week. yours. So mine will be after Laura's. Um, but if any, if that is, it's an indication that we aren't as intelligent as we think we are and that people who dedicate their literal lives to doing things specifically like vaccines Ooh. know what they're doing. Okay. I'm excited. Okay. Just before we jump into the stories, I will just let you know that we are pretty active on most social media platforms. So we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and we're just the BSC podcast on all of those platforms. So I know that we've had a few people migrate over from TikTok. Uh, If you did want to follow us, that's how you do it. Please do. And feel free to reach out to us. We're pretty approachable people. We we will try to get back to you as soon as we can. We also have no lives. Um, So, and we like... Communicating with you guys. But we also love it when people send photos of their pets. Yeah, send photos of any of your pets. Lizards, dogs, We talk about our cats all the time on this show. Yeah. So Uh, we love it when people send pet photos. Anyway, we'll save more of that for after the show. We will now dive into our cases. So what do you have for us, Laura? So I'm just going to, again, I I like to do a bit of a weird trigger warning at the start, only because... I know how many people get annoyed at unsolved mysteries. So this is a completely unsatisfying, unsolved. Great. There's not even a shred of this evolution. Well, that's okay because my one's pretty satisfactory. All right. So I'm going to be talking about the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. So Brandon was a 19-year-old Minnesotan. God, that's a hard word to say in my accent. Minnesotan. Minnesotan college student who was celebrating the end of his spring semester with his friends. So he'd been having a big old night attending multiple celebrations around his local town at various different spots. He left the last party that he'd been seen at to begin the roundabout 48 kilometer drive or 30 miles for our lovely American listeners. Now, 48 kilometers would normally say take you probably Around about an hour, maybe a bit less, to drive on the highway. However, at 2 a.m., Brandon's parents receive a phone call from him advising that um, he'd accidentally driven off the road into a ditch where his car is now stuck. He's tried to get the car out. Car won't move. He needs his parents to come and pick him up. Right. He says he's totally fine, totally not injured, all good. He's just stuck on a dirt road in the back of this tiny town in Minnesota And he needs his parents to come and pick him up. So his parents, Annette and Brian, get into their car and drive to where their son had said he was roughly since he wasn't entirely sure. And part of the reason why Brandon wasn't sure where he was was because he'd taken some back roads to get home rather than the much more straightforward and quicker highway. Now, his friends who saw him at the party said that he had been drinking, but that he didn't appear overly intoxicated. And both of his parents have also said while speaking to him on the phone, he didn't sound drunk or confused or like disheveled or out of sorts in any sort of way. Some people do speculate, though, that the fact that he was on those back roads may point to the fact that either he thought he was slightly over the limit or he was over the limit and so he was trying to do a little cheeky... Trying to avoid the cops. Avoid the popo in case he got pulled over, which, let's be real, we've all done. It's an Australian tradition, to be honest. Tradition? Tradition. So he stays on the phone um, with his folks as they're driving out to where he said that he thinks he is so they can sort of find him and his car. They've tried to sort of roughly locate, but... If you've ever spent a lot of time in the country or if, like me, you grew up in the country, you know that those back roads are just nigh impossible to sort of figure out 
where you are, especially at nighttime. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no... Lamp lights. Discerning nothing. features. All the roads look the same. Half the roads don't have yeah. signs saying what the road's called. And, drop bears. You know. So there's really nothing for him to sort of be like, I'm on the corner of this street and that street. So they try driving around to find him. At one stage, they said they're all sort of getting frustrated with each other. So Brandon hangs up the phone and they call him back and say, sorry. They try sort of flashing their high beams. They sort of pull over and say, look, we're flashing our lights. Can you see the lights anywhere? Brandon says no. He tries to do the same with his car. They can't really locate each other. When this doesn't work, Brandon just says, look, I'm just I'm just going to walk into town. I'll meet you guys at this nightclub. In the parking lot, you pick me up there. He says that he can see some lights in the distance, which he's pretty sure is the town of Lind. So he just basically says, look, I can see lights. I'm pretty sure town must be close. I'm just going to keep walking. You guys meet me at this nightclub and pick me up from there. So his parents really have no reason at this stage to think anything of this. It's a rural area. He's on a road, not stuck in the middle of like a forest somewhere. So they're like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll start driving towards yeah. this nightclub. So he starts walking. He's still on the phone with his folks as he's doing this. Uh, the call kind of drops out a couple of times, but he calls them back. It's all good. They're just chatting as he's walking and they're driving. Brandon sounds totally unfazed. He's just cruising along. At around 2.30 a.m., roughly 47 minutes into the phone conversation, Mid-sentence, Brandon yells out, oh, shit, and disappears. So the call stays connected for around two minutes. A lot of places reported that the call dropped immediately. Um, But when you actually look at interviews with his parents, they said, no, no, he disappeared. But the call stayed connected and we kept going, Brandon, Brandon, hello. And then after around two minutes, they thinking he's dropped his phone and then in the dark can't see it. Yeah. They're like, oh, hang up and we'll call him back and either he'll hear the ringer or he'll see the phone yep. light up. Yeah. So they hang up, keep trying to call him. Brandon doesn't answer. They call and call and call and nothing. So they go to the parking lot where they agree that they were going to meet. They wait. Brandon never shows up. Following morning, when Brandon still hasn't come home, at around 6.30 a.m., his parents report him missing to the police. The police basically tell the parents, don't worry, young boys do stuff like this all the time. They disappear off back roads in the middle of nowhere all the time. Yelling, oh shit, during a phone call. Brandon's mother actually said one of the officers went so far as to say that on his last day of college classes, Brandon had a right to be missing. As in, like, he has a right to not answer your phone calls. He's out partying, like, leave him alone. Dude, he he dropped out of a phone call by saying, oh, shit. Like, that's a cause for concern. Yeah, you'd think so. So they finally managed to convince police to start searching later in the day. However, they're unable to locate Brandon or the car anywhere near where he was supposed to be, where he was telling his parents he was. His phone records are obtained and that shows his phone is pinging in the vicinity of a county called Taunton. Brandon's car is eventually found in a ditch more than 40 kilometres from where he told his parents he was with multiple car doors left open. The car's found stuck sort of on the incline, like there's the road and then the road drops off into like a little ditch. The ditch, yeah. Um, So his car's basically stuck with the front wheels and the back wheels off the ground. So he's obviously tried to go around a corner too fast. Cars swerved out. Mm-hmm. It's got stuck on this point where the engine's kind of sitting on this uh, 
sort of slight incline and back tyres are off, front tyres are off, car's going nowhere. So nothing really seems amiss though. There's no signs of foul play. uh, There's no broken glass, signs of a struggle, nothing. They can't find any track showing which way Brandon may have gone. So they basically start with jack shit to go off. Brandon's father does tell searchers that he remembers hearing his son mention loads of fences because he'd been complaining about the amount of fences he was having to jump over and then he could hear running water somewhere nearby. So at some point during the conversation, Brandon says that he's going to cut through a farm to get to another road. He's like, I can see there's this driveway to an old abandoned farm. I'm going to cut through this farm to get where I'm going quicker. Eventually, the location of the call is traced to a tower at the intersection of two county roads and the search is narrowed to sort of within eight kilometres or five miles of that tower. Right. Police notice that there is a grain tower in this area with a red light on top, which is what police surmise made Brandon think that the nearest town uh. was walkable distance because it was actually about 11 kilometres from where he was. Like it was not yeah. close. A huge search is conducted of the land, including search dogs, aerial flyovers, horses and all-terrain vehicles, and absolutely nothing. Wow. Uh, gates are placed along various intervals along the river nearby where Brandon's car is found, and the river itself is searched extensively as well as the banks, but again, nothing. So it's literally like he has Just disappeared vanished. off the face of the planet. So I want to get into some of the theories of what people think could have potentially happened to Brandon Swanson. So initially the biggest prevailing theory is that while walking, Brandon had fallen into the Yellow Medicine River, which is near where his car was located. The river was 15 foot deep at some places and the night Brandon disappeared, it was running quite fast, as well as uh, Brandon having mentioned that he could hear running water when he was talking on the phone. However, when Brandon dropped the call, his parents heard no sounds of a splash or even the sound of a river, which it's reasonable to assume that if you've got a pretty fast-flowing river, you can hear it in the background of the call. Especially if it's a fast night for it as well. Exactly. Coupled with the fact that the river was extensively searched, both the banks and the river itself, and they also put drag gates to kind of catch anything. Yeah. Um. Like nothing, nothing's ever been found. You'd no find clothes, like a shoe or something, something at least. So coupled with the fact that the river was extensively searched and nothing has ever been found, a lot of people have kind of ruled this out in their minds. <coughs> Search dogs did locate his scent at one point crossing the river, but it seemed that the scent successfully made it to the other side and then it was tracked along the riverbank for some time before heading up another dirt road away from the river. Brandon's parents are both sort of fierce deniers of this theory and have been quoted on numerous occasions saying that they don't believe that this is what had happened. Many people also noted that for nearly two days after his disappearance, his phone continued to ring, going to voicemail. If Brandon had fallen into the river, considering his phone was in his hand at the time, it's likely it would have fallen in with him. Submersion underwater would have broken the phone, meaning calls wouldn't have rung and would have gone straight to voicemail. At the very least, they would have found it along the bank of the river. Mm. Phone's never been found. Yeah, exactly. 
So initially this theory was the one that authorities kind of put the most weight on, believing it to be the most likely. Even um, back as far as 2010, though, this theory started to lose credibility due to, again, the fact that nobody appeared ever. Most authorities agree had Brandon drowned in that river or any of the other rivers nearby, his body would have appeared by now or at least something, Mm. some shred of evidence would have appeared by now. It is worth noting, though, that Brandon was legally blind in his left eye. So it does potentially add a bit of substance to the theory that he physically didn't kind of see his footing and he's fallen into the river. Obviously, there are loads of people who believe it was foul play. Brandon swearing people think that was potentially someone kind of quickly coming up to attack him. And this theory explains why there's no trace of him whatsoever. But a lot of people point out that why would a random killer be hunting for victims on a rural back road in Minnesota at 3 a.m. in the morning? Like. Yeah. Like, could it have been a crime of opportunity? Like, maybe they came across someone? Could have been, but I mean. Brandon would have likely seen a car coming and probably made a mm. comment to his dad on the phone saying, oh, I can see a car. He wouldn't have just said, oh, shit. Though he was walking through a farm or he did at some point cut through a farm. Yeah. So. Uh, some people have said that this theory might hold weight if you look at it through the lens of uh, vehicular manslaughter. So the roads are incredibly tight and winding, which is how most people speculate Brandon's car ends up in the ditch in the first place. There's also zero streetlights, so it's really hard to see things until you're literally on top of them. So there are some people that think potentially someone has run him over, which could have explained the oh shit as he sees a car barreling towards him. Whoever has hit him has then freaked out, collected his body and dumped it somewhere because Mm. they're too scared of persecution. Now, another pretty prevalent theory is exposure. And to me, this is the one that makes the most sense. So I was curious and I looked it up because living in Australia, we you, we hear a bunch of uh, stereotypes about Minnesota being incredibly cold, but it was yeah. spring. So I was like, how, how cold can it get in spring? Turns out still gets really fucking cold. So the average spring temperatures in Minnesota is 10 degrees or Ooh. 50 degrees Fahrenheit, sometimes falling as low as 3 degrees or 39 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, that's cold. So at night it gets well cold. Yeah. So some people think either Brandon did fall in the river but climbed out and was then drenched in cold river water and freezing or he was just freezing in general. Uh, Once he's dropped his phone, which is when he says, oh, shit, he may have just been unable to find it again in the dark because, again, he's legally blind in one eye. Many suspect Brandon then has potentially tried to curl up either in a spot where he's just never been found or potentially amongst some of the many crops in the area. So he's gone into like a crop field thinking he can stay warm amongst kind of the closeness of Mm. whatever they grow out there. This theory also potentially explains why his body was never found. And just a bit of a trigger warning because it's about to get a little bit gruesome theoretically. So at the time Brandon's disappearance, it was spring, so harvest season. So due to the fact that crops are farmers' livelihoods, at the time of Brandon's disappearance, many of them didn't consent to their lands being searched, probably worried that the foot traffic would potentially destroy a whole season's worth of crops. So there are huge swatches of land, like huge acres and acres and acres of land that were initially not searched until after the harvest was done. 
Some people think that Brandon may have potentially died of exposure in a field and then his body was destroyed by the harvesting machines that would have gone through sometime after. Crops would have then been replanted later over any remaining evidence. Search dogs did follow human remains scents into several areas that had previously not been searched but ultimately found nothing. So a lot of people think he's potentially passed away of hypothermia. The, the, those big threshing yeah. harvesting machines have come through, destroyed his partially decomposed body, and then they've planted crops over anything that was left. See, that holds weight to it, but those things are manned and they're designed to cut down large amounts of like corn and wheat and things yeah, that are very guess- brittle. But this is an entire human body. Human bodies are pretty brittle once they've been decomposing for a couple. I don't of think weeks. A, a crop, of I don't know what they're called, but a crop dust freshers would be able to cut through a human body mm, that well. They can. There's lots of farmers that have like lost arms to them and stuff. Jesus. They're pretty brutal. Uh, and Wouldn't then you notice it though. Well, not really, because you're in the tractor and you've got the big thresher. I think it's at the. Look, I'm not a farmer. I'm not 100% certain. But I think the threshing machine is at the front. It's this big thing that goes around and kind of pulls the crops. So you you wouldn't because you've got this big, huge thing in the front and then tall crops. So you literally wouldn't know until the threshing part was already on top. So then the other thing is when crops are processed like that, they are deposited into something like a vat or a bin or they're left mm. behind and then p- people pick it up. There would have had to been something. When they were yielding the crops and they looked yeah. through the wheat or the corn, whatever they were c- cropping, there would have to have been, oh, this is fucking red. <laughs> yeah, I can't look. I can't say I know that you know much I mean? about how or, the process of crop harvesting works. Well, because like but... you look at it and you, like, wouldn't there at least be like someone looking at it going... Or at the at the end of like where they send it off somewhere, they'd be like, mm. "Hey, there's a fucking skull in my wheat. <laughs> um, you might want to look at why that is." Yeah, I don't know. Um, the The other theory that a lot of people hold weight is they say that there's lots of like mini kind of abandoned wells, uh, sort of in those properties that have partially been filled but not really. So they think potentially Brandon has fallen down one of these wells right. and just never been found because they're so hidden amongst tall grass. They're really hard to spot. Potentially, if he wasn't found immediately, things would have fallen on top of him, meaning if you just kind of looked down, you wouldn't see anything. Right. But again, it's it's all kind of like... What happened? What happened? Yeah. The sort of final theory that I stumbled across when I fell down some crazy Reddit threads about this is like, and I'm not going to get into this whole theory because it's like a whole other episode. There's this whole theory in the States about like, they're called skinwalkers in the national parks, but also like large areas of farmland. Okay. So they're essentially like demonic things that like walk around and look human but a lot of people think he was like abducted by aliens or killed by a skinwalker uh if you are interested just google like skinwalkers national parks and there's a whole week's worth of reading it's slightly fascinating if not slightly unhinged (laughs) um 
So that's kind of the other sort of theory. To this day, sadly, not a single piece of evidence indicating what happened to Brandon has ever been found. No clothes, no hair, no DNA. His phone's never been found. Just it's literally like he disappeared off the face of the planet. The only positive to come from his disappearance is the legacy that his parents left him. So after their initial treatment by police, Annette and Brian Swanson began lobbying for changes as to how to missing adult cases were treated. And that investigation would start immediately following the report of the missing person. So this had already been required for reports of missing children, but not adults. So Brandon's law made the change amending the existing law in the state of Minnesota, which has also now been adopted by other states. for the missing child program to change the wording from child to person, meaning the laws and processes covered everyone. The changes also meant police must state the person is indeed missing straight away, as well as making a quick judgment on whether this person was likely in danger, and they must notify other nearby law enforcement agencies as well. So that is what Brandon's parents did after their sort of treatment not treatment, but after how Brandon's case was was treated. yeah. Well, I mean, just going off of what those cops said, they kind of just treated it like, oh, he's he's a grown man; he'll figure it out. Like he's just a graduated, you know. He's it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like we don't want to get up. Don't make us get up in ten degree weather. Yeah, like, I was so shocked that it's still so cold in spring. Oh yeah, Minnesota is one of those places where it fucking snows all the time. Like. Because when I was reading the exposure theories, I was like, how, how, spring? Like, it can't possibly be that cold. And I Googled it and I was like, oh, average temperature in yeah. April in Minnesota, 10 it, degrees. It's, it's plausible. Um, you know, I'm sure someone living in Minnesota would be a bit more acclimated to that than, you know, just dunking in and, and freezing yeah. to death. Like, I don't know how plausible that seems to me. I guess over a really extended period of time, like he would have been out for hours. Yeah, I, I guess, but the water would have had to have been freezing, plus the temperature would have also had to have been freezing. I just don't know if if we're if we're looking at like yes, yeah, same like lowest of whatever it was like five degrees. Mm. That's fucking cold. Typically ten degrees. If it was a ten degree night. I can't really imagine that happening. I mean, it's it, it's plausible. Yeah, I don't. know. But I just can't. Again, really I'm see not it. an expert on hypothermia. Yeah. Um, the most plausible theory would be the well theory, mm. because if there's so many of them and they're hidden so well, there could be wells out there. Well, um, I just well, said well, well like well. five times. Um, there could be many of them out there that. During the searches, they didn't even find some landowners probably don't even know that they exist. Yeah, exactly. And that's what a lot of people pointed out, that some of these um, farmlands are huge and have been handed down through generations of farmers who, you know, their great, great, great grandfather probably knew the well was there because they built it. But three generations on... It's no longer in use. It's just some crumbling piece of infrastructure in some random field three acres away from the house. Which would also make sense as to why the phone wouldn't have been found as well. Exactly. It's amongst this rubble or wreckage of a well. Yeah. You know, but no one knows it exists. Yeah. So it's just really sad because I don't think his parents are ever going to get answers by the sound of it. It's just going to yeah. be one of those things where, unfortunately, it's it's never solved. Which is very horrible for the family. Yeah, you never know. You might there might be like maybe 
a development happens or someone comes into the land that his body is on and they might find a well or they might find some sort of piece of evidence that mm. links to something. Um, or it could have been foul ploy, you know? Yeah. Like, I think if it was manslaughter, you'd see something on the roads. You know, you can't just leave nothing behind after mm. getting hit by a car. Like, there would have to be, like, a torn clo- like torn clothing or skid marks or blood, you know, something. Yeah, but that is the story of the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. Well, there you go. A very unsatisfying end. I told you. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to take a quick little break. And when we come back, I am going to be talking about a spontaneous human combustion case. I love this. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll see you soon. All right. Welcome back. We are now delving into my case, which is... Might I just say, educational. I'm actually really excited yeah. to listen to this one. Just like quick quick side note plus quick plug for my other show. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering when I watched the movie for – so for those who don't know, I do another horror movie review podcast and this week we did Lights Out and one of the, the, the titular monster – kind of like spontaneously combust. That's her like story. Like as a human, she has an aversion to light. So the people at the psych ward try and do like light therapy and then she spontaneously combusts. So I was genuinely curious as to whether the character Diana from Lights Out is at all inspired by this case that you were telling me about a few weeks ago because it's very interesting, spontaneous human combustion. Well, so the idea of spontaneous human combustion is just a theory that was posed but there's actual scientific um studies and basing on what it can be interesting uh so it's not what you think but it is kind of a thing okay all right let's get um, into so we'll it. get into it so just to introduce this there is a case involving a woman named mary Reeser. she has been dubbed the cinder woman so she was an elderly woman who lived at 1200 Cherry Street, St. Petersburg, Florida. And on July the 2nd, 1951, her landlady, Pansy Carpenter, visited the apartment to deliver her a telegram. When no one answered the door to the apartment, um, she fiddled with the doorknob and found that it was unusually hot. Weird, right? Mm. So she straight away thinks that there's a fire inside the apartment and she calls the police. Police arrive at the apartment and upon entering, they find the 67-year-old Mary Reese burnt to death. Her body had almost completely disintegrated and there was absolutely no explanation as to why or how. <clears throat> All that remained of Reese was just one slippered foot with zero signs of charring um, along with her spine and her skull. Oh my God. Yeah, that was all that was left of her. The apartment was warm when police arrived. However, most of the apartment was still relative, mostly intact, right. barely touched. Some items were damaged, though there were plastic household objects near the seat that Risa was sitting in when she 
caught fire. Yeah. They'd softened and lost their shape. There was a scorch mark on on the rug and the chair and end table in the middle of the where the fire was were upright. By the the rest of the room, however, was completely unaffected by the flames that had consumed Mary Risa. Now, fun little side fact, for a body to be cremated completely it has to it requires three to four hours of temperatures around three thousand degrees fahrenheit so safe to say this was perplexing as to how this would have happened how did a woman who was seemingly just sitting on a chair burn leaving nothing behind but a leg a spine and a skull bones like a lot of the bones were gone a lot of the bones were gone yeah just a spine and and a shrunken skull because of this Mysterious death. Many suspected that Risa was a victim of what is known as spontaneous human combustion. What is spontaneous human combustion? Well, that is when, supposedly, a person bursts into flame from a chemical reaction inside their body without any apparent ignition or any external heat source. Now, there have been, throughout the years, many different accounts and cases of what is thought to be spontaneous human combustion since around 1663. However, scientists aren't too convinced on this theory. The detective on Reese's case at the time was Chief Cass Burgess. Burgess and his team sent boxes of material from the apartment to the FBI lab in Washington, D.C. for analysis, and this included a portion of the rug, rubble from the walls, segments of the chair um, that she was sitting on at the time of her death. So I think we can start to see pieces fall into place in Mm. what comes next. Detectives put out a statement saying that it was, quote, an accidental death by fire of unknown origins. Now, Burgess said that this didn't mean that they were ending the investigation. This was what they were labeling it as. That's just the most unspecific cause of death ever. They were just putting that out there so a burial could take place for her remains. Um. So that's sort of where people started to get this theory of, well, how? Spontaneous human combustion. There's no plausible reason there. Um, The FBI, however, and along with many other scientists, weren't convinced that this was spontaneous human combustion. Uh, They, in fact, had no idea what her death was. So to better understand how this could have happened, potentially, we're going to take a dive into what spontaneous combustion really is okay i love this so what exactly is it a man called paul rolly of the london's royal society which is the world's oldest scientific academy in continuous existence coined the term in a 1744 article entitled philosophical transactions he describes it as a quote a process in which a human body allegedly catches fire as a result of heat generated by internal chemical activity but without evidence of an external source of ignition the the, the idea of spontaneous human combustion uh, started becoming more popular and was a fate particularly associated with alcoholics in the victorian era Fun fact, Charles Dickens even wrote a, a, wrote it into a story of his in a nine, 1853 novel, Bleak House, in which the character Crook spontaneously catches fire and burns to death, being a gin lover. Ah. 
The scientific community, however, remains completely skeptical despite the 200-plus cases that have been reported worldwide. The first case of spontaneous combustion to ever be recorded took place in Milan in the late 1400s when a knight named Polinus Vorstisis allegedly burst into flames in front of his own parents. As with most other cases of spontaneous combustion, alcohol was, of course, involved as Vorstisius supposedly belched a fire after consuming several glasses of particularly strong wine. Okay. Now, several other combustion uh, cases would happen over the next few hundreds of years, all the way from Pakistan to Florida, and experts can't necessarily explain how their deaths happened. Mm. However... There are meant there are a few different similarities that can link them all together. Okay. So generally, the fire itself is contained to just the person and their immediate surroundings. So you'll typically see smoke damage and burns above and below the victim's body, but that would be it. It. Okay. Right. Also, the torso is typically reduced to ash, leaving only the limbs behind. Typically, just the torso and the head yeah. is gone. Right. So here's how we can explain this particular phenomenon. Regardless of any lack of evidence into these deaths, scientists do not believe that spontaneous human combustion is a a result of internal chemical imbalance. Neither is it spontaneous. So first, the fire damage is typically limited to the the victim and their immediate area, um, and this is actually quite easily explained. Many fires are self-limiting and die out naturally upon running out of fuel. And in this case, the fuel to that fire would be fat inside the human body. Right. Okay. So because fires tend to burn upwards as opposed to outward, a badly burnt body in an otherwise untouched room is not unfeasible. Fires often do not move horizontally, especially when there's no wind or air currents to push them. This can be described as what is called the wick effect, which takes its name from the way that a candle relies on flammable wax material to keep its wick burning. The wick effect illustrates how human bodies can function like a candle. With clothing or hair as the wick, the body fat stored in a human's body is the flammable substance. So as the fire burns a body, the fat stores melt and saturate the body's clothes. The continuous supply of fat to the what would be the wick, there being their body, keeps the fire burning at a very, very high temperature until there's nothing left to burn and the blaze extinguished. So you're you're left with a pile of ashes, much like what is left in these cases of spontaneous human combustion. You're still with me? Yeah, this is so It's gross. gross, isn't it? Now, this explains the how this happens. But what about the why? Well, yeah, I think that's what we all want to know. Exactly. So what exactly are the circumstances of something like this occurring? So yet again, we have science to thank for this, as we have a very easy to understand uh, answer. So most of the people who have died from what is thought of spontaneous human combustion were elderly, they were alone, and they were sitting or sleeping near some sort of ignition source. Right. Okay. Many victims have been discovered near an open fireplace or with a lit cigarette nearby, and many of them were drinking alcohol, or at least at least last seen drinking alcohol. Okay. So the the old theory of spontaneous combustion occurring to only alcoholics is a bit of an exaggeration, but it isn't all that far off. Mm. So though instead of it happening as a result of a chemical reaction 
it's more like those who burnt may have been unconscious during so. Right. So this too would explain why it is often the elderly people who burn. Older people are more likely to suffer a stroke or a heart attack, um, pass out from some mm-hmm. something you, you, you could think of, which might lead them to drop a cigarette, potentially, or something that would catch fry, fire in a fireplace, leading to that as the source of ignition, meaning their bodies were burnt and while they are incapacitated or sometimes yeah. already dead. So nearly every reported case of spontaneous human combustion has occurred without witnesses. With nobody else around to stop the fire, the ignition sources burn and the results cannot be explained on first glance. Hmm. The FBI believe that Mary Reese's own body provided the fat for fuel for the fire to burn and consumer after possibly lighting a cigarette and falling asleep. It's horrendous. Yes. So she was set on fire and once the body became ignited, her body fat fueled an intense fire. And fire intense enough to literally reduce her torso to ashes. Jesus. So as we now know, human fatty tissue is highly combustible. Mm-hmm. And even more so in people who have larger stores of it. And Risa was a woman who was relatively overweight who had right. a lot of fat stores, fat stores okay. to burn. Yeah. So, presumably, it would create a very intense fire. Yeah, I still, I still hate it. Yeah. No, it's terrible. So, the idea that people just explode for no reason... Is pretty much debunked. debunked. Right. So instead, what you have is something that's vaguely like that. That it 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 is a sort of spontaneously you just catch fire, but it is a direct result of something burning your body with you not noticing or you not able to stop the fire. That still, to me, doesn't really explain like human bodies to burnt in a, um, like, after death. You said they had to be in, like, 3,000 degrees for hours. So to be fully um, cremated, they need to be in, I think it was upwards of 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit for, for hours, yes. What this is, which is sort of different, is kindling or, like, the wick, like I said, being mm-hmm. their hair, um, their clothes being saturated with their human fat as their fire is consuming them, mm-hmm. their fat is leaking out, and it's constantly adding fuel to the fire, increasing the degrees over a, a steady amount of time. Mm. So but it takes a, short, a long, short period of time. No, it takes a long time for a body to burn. In this manner, though, I mean. In this, it, in this it's not particular. It's not. It it takes quite a few hours. Yeah. To to for this to happen. Okay. Um, bodies don't just quickly burn. Mm. Um, that's why the wick effect is such a is such a plausible thing as as fat is slowly leaking out. It's like you're adding small amounts of gas to a Bunsen. Mm. It's just a continuous flow of fuel. And then over time, that temperature just keeps increasing because 
the fire expands throughout the entire body. Right. Right. And where do you have most of your fat stores? In your torso. Yeah. Okay. So that's where all your fuel is. It's like if you have a large bag of gas, right? Mm. You have two smaller bags of gas. That big bag of gas is like catching on fire. That's all going to go, but it's probably not going to reach all the way to the smaller ones because most of it is in this big bag. It's probably going to quench itself before it gets to yeah, those other ones. gotcha. So there's not as much fat in your legs as there is in your torso. So your torso is going to burn mm. higher and for longer than your limbs. Um, however, that being said, I am not an expert. I just as a yeah, person who Yeah, it still um, kind of seems into this. wild to me. Um, I am not an expert on how bodies work or fires or anything like that. I just was am someone who has researched this briefly. Um, but from what I can tell, it's almost like replicating that of a cremation. Right. Which is insane that your body has can yeah. reach that level of you have enough fat to basically disintegrate your entire torso. Terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. <clears throat> I do not vibe with that. Yeah. So I think with most cases of like you hearing about people catching on fire, um, it's generally they're in a car crash and they're doused with gasoline and they're surrounded by a car that's like, you know, on fire and it's burning them alive or um, say, for example, terrible example, but if someone is doused with gasoline and then set on fire, mm. that fuel is not burning their skin and then that pain causes them to, to die because it's so excruciatingly painful. Mm. Um, and I think once that fuel source is gone, sort of just stops. You have charred skin, um, depending on what kind of fuel source it is. It doesn't burn hot enough to, um, I guess, leak out fat. I'm not too sure how it works, but... Let's stop talking about people burning to death. It's it's very interesting how something like this can happen. But Mm -hmm. it explains perfectly how this could have happened. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know if I buy it. I like spontaneous human... I like the idea of people just... It's, it's, a, it's much more of a fun theory, but it's, it's... I also think it's slightly nicer to think that they just combusted rather than burnt to death. Well, the, I mean, so they the idea is that they weren't aware that they were burning. So they could have either died from a heart attack and right. then a cigarette fell on them and then they caught on fire... Right. So they were already dead. Okay. Or they were unconscious with no way of feeling that they were on fire. Yeah. That's typically what is thought to be. That's why these cases, like I said, most of them are elderly. Yeah, um, okay. They suffer from a heart attack or they fall unconscious. Something, right, I yeah. gotcha. Or yeah. they're significantly intoxicated that they can't physically feel pain. Yeah. No, I get that. Um, Which could also lead to a death from, you know, alcohol poisoning. Mm. They die from that. Drop a cigarette. Maybe a hand catches into a brazier or a, a fireplace. Mm. Something catches on fire. Interesting. That's where that's where there it leads you. There you go. Yeah. There you go. That was the case of Mary Risa and spontaneous human combustion. I hope you have learned something from this case because it is it, it has taught me a lot of things. Very interesting about the human body. Very very interesting. Um, thank you guys for joining. We are now. Moving on to our kind of fluff. Yeah, so if you just came for the stories, 
Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. But if you like to stick around at the end to hear us shit talk about stupid stuff, welcome Yeah, to the show we, after the show. And on that, we are also moving into the weekly format again, I think, I believe. Yeah, we're going to yeah. try our best. Yeah. Um, with an end date in sight, it kind of feels, I guess, appropriate to... Yeah, I think so. I think it will be nice to get a bit of routine back Yeah, not feel so depressed all the time. It'll be good. Let's talk about um, <laughs> this TikTok situation because oh, it's been okay. It's so interesting. I don't know if I, I don't know if I liked it. <laughs> it was very intense. So one day I was looking at the videos as as you do, and I noticed a few um, notifications. Mm. You, typically, we would get like maybe, I think we we're getting like a hundred views per video like it was it was very small we were Um, a very very small account i started getting a few you know likes and follows and that and i noticed that it was up to about a thousand and it went up to about three thousand i think you messaged me when it was at like seven thousand so i refreshed it and it went from like three thousand to like six thousand i was like oh shit Oh, it's happening. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's still kind of like ticking over. Like, I think it's nearly, yeah, it's it, over like half a million It's um, plays. It's sort of reached its sort of plateau. Right. At the moment. Um, but it was insane watching it grow. And it's been cool just seeing like all these people commenting um, about, you know, they're hearing about their this case yeah. or they knew... Um, like the, the, the videos about Grace Mullane and um, her disappearance and subsequent murder and them saying they knew um, the... The killer. The killer and um, they heard about Grace Mullane's story and they... It, it was just interesting having like an interaction like that with people because you kind of remember that the true crime community is a community of people who are like-minded and want to respect, um, you know, victims and crimes like this and remember crimes and remember their stories and who they are. Mm. Um, and it's interesting to learn uh, and see other people interact with you in that in this community. Um, you know, obviously we, we talk with other podcasters and other people who are interested in true crime, but it's nice to sort of get our foot into the door of that Yeah, community. and it's, um, it's been really nice having some people that have, like, messaged me on Instagram just being like I found you guys on TikTok and I've like binge watched the ho- not watch but like binge listen to the whole show it's just re- I don't know it's like it's ve- it's very validating like we've said yeah. this a few times before but like Tom and I just like sit in our spare room in our apartment like we do this all ourselves we don't make any money off yeah. it so it's nice to know that at the very least like you know we're not we're not trying to like it would be nice if we blew up and could make money off it mm. but like that's not really our goal we just do this because we enjoy it so it's really validating to hear that people enjoy listening to the show it's really nice yeah um and, and I, I won't go too much into the negative because i don't really want to focus on it but you know like laura said we are just two people who do this on when we can we we have full-time jobs we don't earn any money from this we aren't at the place yet where we can make money feasibly from sponsorships or that sponsors really want to work with us. Um, Which is fine. It's we fine. We just do it because it's fun. And we're perfectly fine with that. But, you know, we just be, remember that we yeah, aren't... Just be nice to people on the yeah, internet. We aren't doing this necessarily for profit. And even if we could, we probably would 
because mm. we we need money to survive and we would like to do this. It would be nice a, to get to do this like exactly. Full-time. All that would mean is just that we could do this more feasibly and frequently. respectfully and, yeah. and frequently. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. Just be kind to people on the just internet. Just for the for the fucking record too. Countdown is owned by Woolworths. Suck a dick. <laughs> Shut up. It's owned by Woolworths. Stop talking about Countdown. <laughs> Stop talking Stop about Stop talking about Countdown. Like, uh, I, I never would have thought that one of the biggest takeaways from a video about a murder and disappearance is that a store that happens to have a name that was changed in 2000. And it has the same logo. Has as the same logo as, well. as Woolworths supermarket in Australia. That the biggest takeaway is, it's not called Woolworths. I wonder. I want to know why that's not called Woolworths. Why they changed is it not, the name? In but 2000. why? I think they just wanted to separate themselves from Australia. Right. Okay. It, so it's it's they have Woolworths in New Zealand. They also have. Countdown. They also have Countdown. Also, like, not to... I love New Zealand. No hate to New Zealand. But what a fucking stupid name for a shopping hey, centre. For a grocery look, store. Countdown. My whānau is from Aotearoa. You know how much I love New Zealand? What a stupid name it for a grocery a store. It is a fucking name. Countdown. It, it name. sounds like... It was a music program for, like, yeah. top 40 pop hits. It's not... Anyway, when you think of Countdown, you think of like a, a hardware store or some shit. Like no, that, I think of like life. a like a television show. It sounds yeah. like a music show to me, like Countdown to the yeah. hits. Anyway, um, fuck Countdown. <laughs> Come at me, Woolworths. It's a dumb uh... fucking name. Look, and even people in New Zealand are like, yeah, look, it, I mean, it's owned by Woolworths. It was Woolworths at some point. And countdown's stupid as fuck. So yeah, it's Woolworths. Yeah, I just if that's really your biggest takeaway about a oh a, exactly a poor that's, girl being yeah. brutally murdered, I think you need to. Uh... That's another reason to just shut the fuck up. Like, look at what you're doing. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the name of a fucking supermarket that is just one like little fact, one little word in an entire case about a young woman who was on a gap year after graduating university in a safe country who died because a psychopath ensnared her. Um, So to answer our question before, I did some Googling because I was curious what a threshing machine actually looked like. And to answer your question... I don't think there would be any fucking way that you would know if there was a dead body. All so right. basically, I need to have a look at this. I think what it does to describe to people who are listening, I think what it does is so there's like two things. One looks like a sucky cutter thing, and then the other thing is like a rolling thing that I assume rolls along the top of the wheat and actually gets the part of the wheat you right. want. And then this other thing just mows the bottom and right. shoots it okay. out the back. Yeah. So, theoretically, if you were someone who'd passed out or gone to sleep in a wheat field, no, that machine is going to literally pulverize your body and then uh, yeah, stick okay. it back out the back. I understand that, but you're like, you'd have to, like, at least when you're replanting, you'd be like, oh, fuck, that's a pool of blood. 
But I don't know, like, if it had been, because the way some of the articles I was reading when I was talking about that theory, it made it sound like <clears throat> that he would have, if that theory holds weight, he would have been decomposing in the field for a couple of weeks. So there wouldn't have been any blood because he would have bloated, started decomposing, all the blood would have leaked out of him into the ground. Oh, okay. So it's just like a decomposing body that's been mowed over with this enormous threshing machine. Ah, oh, okay, right, okay. Um, which is why, to me, it's the theory that kind of makes the most sense because that thing is intense That's looking. fucking horrible if that's what happened. That's terrible if that's what happened. Like, I will post a after the episode goes live. I'll post a photo on our Instagram story because this thing is intense looking. Yeah, that is. And I would not hesitate for a second to believe that it could pulverize a human body very easily. That is not a good way to go. Yeah, come and look at this photo. Like, just come around and look at this angle. So you've got like a mower thing at the bottom with blades and sharp things and then that thing goes up and collects the wheat from the top so yeah i would wholeheartedly agree that that could very much pulverize a human being yeah okay that that's it that seems plausible um if that is the case then which is fucking horrific jesus fucking christ that is terrible all right yeah moving on um that just makes the scene from cars all the more worse and all the more traumatizing. Seen from Cars. You might yeah. have to. I haven't seen Cars for a while. Yeah, it's the one where him, I can't remember his name, is Lightning McQueen and the fucking uh, tractor hillbilly car um, are like cow tipping or something. Right. And then the there's that machine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking field. about. And it's yeah. fucking traumatizing as is. Now learning what it can do to a human body. Do you ever look back at things that we watched as children and just be like, no wonder I'm so fucked up in the head? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I think um, I think my sexuality was determined after watching Kim Possible. <laughs> I wasn't where I was going with that. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I was saying. more thinking about, oh, do you, okay, does everyone want to know a fact that will destroy your fucking childhood? Yes. So, and... My friend, BB, if you are listening to this, I will never forgive you for telling me this fact. So the never-ending story. We've all seen it. We all know it. Beloved childhood film. We all know the scene where Artax, the beautiful horse, gets sucked down into the swamp of sadness and dies. Turns out that actually happened. The contraption that the horse was in malfunctioned and the horse fucking died. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, that's so much worse. So much worse. So this horse actually drowned in mud because the thing malfunctioned and they couldn't get it to lift back up. Jesus Christ. They put a a horse in mud? Yeah. God damn. Fucked up. Absolutely fucked up. Fuck, as if there wasn't a reason to re-watch that. I'm to not never, that, I mean. I'm never watching it ever again after knowing that. Uh, Bambi, Lion's King, Lion King, whatever. Yeah. Um, the scene from Toy Story with the fucking mangled up toys. Oh, yeah. The that, room. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't sleep after seeing that. Um, Atlantis with the fucking sea monster. I don't know if I am... Um... You I haven't seen Atlantis? 
I've seen it, but I don't think I've done more than like one right. watch. Yeah, we got to rewatch it again. That to me was traumatizing, especially because there was a PS One game where like the first right. thing, the fucking first thing you do is you got to battle it, and it's like this thing where you got to move the camera and follow it because it's just circling around you. Jesus, You're like I'm six, dude. I got really traumatized from Hopper in Bugs Life. He terrified me. Oh yeah. He squished ants' heads. Like, what part of that is like, this is a feel-good childhood film? <clears throat> that and Ants itself as a film? Yeah. Fucking traumatizing. Ants is... It, when the termites attack, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ. What is yeah, this? It's Saving on. Private Ryan? Jesus yeah. Christ. There's so many movies that I'm like, why did my... But even like the kind of cult <clears throat> classics that I look back at and I'm like, why, why was I allowed to watch this? Like, yeah. Jawbreaker? Yeah. Great cult classic film, but like really... There's shouldn't be watching really that. should not be watching that as no. a child and hell no i was just allowed to watch it or there's things you watch now like maybe rewatching like labyrinth and you go oh i get that now because i'm an adult yeah you know i love the amount of dirty jokes that they slip into movies that you just it's great whoosh, yeah. straight over you're the top like, when oh, you're a what kid the fuck? yeah do you think he's compensating for something <laughs> shrek had so, so many, many dirty jokes. So many innuendos. But as a kid, I just jokes. had no idea. And yeah. now as an adult, I'm like, hey, Well, because as a kid, you hear that and you go, that's fucking funny because Shrek said it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He says that and you're like, oh, it's a funny thing because like the big green guy said it and the donkey's like, Ugh. and like, you're like, that's oh, really funny because your brain is so dumb that you see these things and you go, that's funny. And then as an adult, as an adult you go, that's Seinfeld level funny. Yeah. I think I don't think it was that deep for me. I think it just went over the top of my head. I don't think. Well, no, but like that's what I mean. Like it goes over the top of your head. But as a kid, if you're told something is funny, mm. you will laugh because it's funny to you. Yeah, that's or how, that's how brains that's how work. Works no, but like that's what I mean. Like, uh, you see a thing that's funny, and then you laugh. No, that, that's what it's I mean. Funny. Like you, like you see something and like you hear people laughing. You as a kid go, oh, that's like yeah, I'm no, supposed to do that. This is how human evolution works. I get what you mean. I'm just being an arsehole. Yeah. As what else is usual. <laughs> um, what else has been traumatizing me? Like I don't know. Life? I can't stop thinking about the poor horse from Never Ending Story. Never. It's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Yeah, there's a few There's a few of those where you learn about like movies that actually killed animals and you're like, fucking hell. But that movie was just so fucked up. Like there was that scene where the two sphinxes like they had to you had to say solve a riddle or something and there were these two giant sphinx like from egypt Mm -hmm. and if you got the riddle wrong they would like laser zap you with their eyes and you die yeah like how fucking dark is that and you just let your six-year-old watch that this is why we're all like into true crime and shit yeah because we're just like mentally because we were (laughs) raised on fucking bestiality beauty and the beast yeah uh 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 patricide what's when the killing your father yeah yeah patricide patricide oh i guess scar they were brothers but watching your father die yeah bambi's mother getting shot yeah um sleeping beauty yeah that's that's a terrible lesson in consent the and the who are the who are the guys who Created those stories, brothers Grimm. Yeah, those those guys are fucking mental. 
And those stories are so much worse in oh, real terrible. life. Oh, terrible. So much Fucking worse. Fucking disgusting. Like, what the hell? I think it's funny that no one knows um, the real story of Little Mermaid. So, like, the whole thing about oh. Little Mermaid was she became a human and she couldn't speak, but also whenever she walked, it felt like she was walking on jagged glass. Yeah. And then the prince didn't fall in love with her, so she threw herself off a cliff and killed herself. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's... In Snow White, I'm pretty sure the prince fucks her while she's dead still. Jesus I'm pretty Christ. sure in the original Brothers Grimm, the prince fucks her dead corpse. Jesus, these dudes are like... Really messed up. What's the and thing? And there's like a weird romant, rom, rom, can't, romantic, romanticization, romanticization, yeah, of them. And I'm like, their stories were really fucked up. Like, yeah. stop pretending like they were these beautiful. But Disney was like, that's good source material. Well, look, if you're a children's and like it is fucked up, but if you're a children's story manufacturer and you're like, well, I need to base my story off of like folklore, or like actual tales. You're going to choose something that no one else is going to fuck with. You know yeah, I mean, you, but it's you're like, just kind of weird that you made them into ch- beloved children's films. To be fair, no one really knew, though. Yeah. At the time. Until we looked at it and, and we were like, oh, man. This is messed up. Jesus. Yeah. Very messed up. Yeah. But, yeah, they basically wrote, like, nearly all of the... Yeah, I think there kind was... Kind of original s- fairy tales. I think it was a similar thing with... I don't know if they did Alice in Wonderland. Um, um, no, that was... Uh, I can't remember who did... See, No, that's Narnia. C.S. Lewis is Narnia. What's his name? Oh, my God. Um, well, while you're looking, figure, figure, trying to figure that out. My brain has just gone blank. Um, I can't remember if the original... Lewis Carroll. Yeah, okay. So I can't remember if the original story was this... But I believe it was sort of based off of um, a girl who witnessed her entire family die after her family house caught fire. They mm. all burnt in, in the fire. Mm. And she went crazy and her mental safe place was escaping to Wonderland. Cute. Love that. Yeah. Um, which is just fucking brutal. Right. Yeah, it's... um. Not cool. Yeah. I mean, like like I said, no wonder we're so into true crime. and. Yeah, here you go. The stories, originally Grimm's fairy tales were not meant for children. The stories routinely include sex, violence, incest, and copious footnotes. Worse yet, they didn't even have illustrations. Initially aimed at adults, the early editions of nursery and household tales contained remarkably dark elements. In its original version, for example, Rapunzel gets pregnant by the prince after a casual fling. In oh, this is the one I love. In Cinderella, the step- stepsisters cut off their toes yeah, to try and heels the- to try and fit into yeah. the slipper. And Disney was like, looked at that shit, and they were like, "I think I can gold see mine. something in this." <laughs> Fucking gold mine. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I mean, look, the mouse likes to make money, but. Still don't know how he looked at that and thought that that was going to be a nice bedtime story. Yeah, what was Walt Disney thinking? Well, wasn't he like a Nazi as well? Oh, yeah, there is that. Yeah, yeah. so maybe that explains it. He maybe. wasn't exactly a good dude to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Isn't that fucked up that like a company that owns basically everything in terms of media has like potential ties with the Nazi regime? I don't think they're potential. I think they were pretty... Con- at least looked, for, like, Walt Disney was a 
definite like confirmed Nazi. I'm pretty sure. Was he actually- or Nazi supporter? Gotcha. He wasn't an. I don't think he was an actual Nazi, but I think I he remember was a Nazi like supporter. BMW involved or something as well. Oh, I don't know. Um, Honestly, yeah. there's, sometimes there's I just there's things that I don't want to look into because I think I'll be scared of the answers if I dig too deep. Yeah. Let's talk about the Met Gala briefly let's, let's, because I love fashion. Yeah. I was so disappointed. So I don't know if it was just the theme was not maybe the right theme for people to go super campy and over the top, but I was just – there wasn't really anything I looked at and was like, <gasps> like, yeah, I mean, they really were, didn't do it for me. There were interesting looks. What, what was the theme? Uh, I can't remember the exact name, but it was essentially like America was the theme or American fashion was essentially the theme. Okay, cool. My favorite one they've ever done was the Heavenly Bodies when it was like the Catholic Church. I think it was 2019. And that was stunning. People did amazing things for that. And this theme just kind of felt a bit meh to me. Yeah. I mean, you can't get them every single time. You can only do so many different themes, I guess. Mm. But yeah. I don't really have anything else to talk about. Do you have anything else to talk about? No, I think we covered it all from Disney to Grimm Brothers to Met Gala to Spontaneous Human Combustion. I think we've covered a basically of everything. Topics, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess that's it for us. Sure. Uh, join us again next week for another episode. We're going to yep. be trying our very best to go back to doing weekly episodes. So we will see you next Wednesday. If you haven't already and you listen to us on apple we'd love it if you left us a review because it helps us in terms of how we chart and all that stuff yeah even if you don't just go share over the to, episode just go over to apple shoot us a message review. say that you love us it makes us feel really good inside yep and yeah follow us on social media the bsc podcast um if you're new around here we sometimes do a little code word oh yeah so if you send us the code like in a code word in a message You don't get any sort of prize because we have none, but you get our respect and we know that you're a true fan and you listened all the way to the end. So let's make the code word for this week grim. Grim. With two M's. Yeah. Bonus points if you give us a story that originally had a darker room. You don't have to do that. Don't make them do homework. (laughs) Why? (laughs) So your homework for this week, kiddies. Um, um, we might send you cat photos if you do such things. You send us the code word, I mean. Might send what? We might send them cat photos. Oh, I don't know what I thought you said. Okay. Anyway. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, enjoy your week and we will catch you again next week. Bye. Bye.